today's podcast episode, podcast bill, Thursday, June 9th, about 1.37, our monthly visit with the food empress of the blade, Mary Billu is fine. When's the last time you were here in the fall? Oh, jeez. I want to say yes. You got to lean yeah. closer to the microphone. Yeah, I want to say it was yes. Because um, last time... Our schedules were off, and I had to call from work, and it sounded like I was in some cavern somewhere. And I know I've done a few from home, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I want to say it's been a while. Well, one, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too. And it's 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 great to not have to deal with the technical difficulties that you. I don't know why I have so many. It doesn't matter whether we use my laptop, whether we use my phone. You guys have even adjusted the settings on my phone, and we still can't make it work. It's just me. It's been some it's time. Well, it's good to see you. Yes. Um, you have your list. I I made a list of things. Do you let Let's just start with the the point of contention of the nachos. Do you want to hit that? Nachos. Oh God. So <laughs> Mary and I were just talking about how you probably don't understand uh, her business or news business, and um, you don't you don't write bill of fare. It's it's a mystery person. And, That's right. And and the bill of fare. I don't even know who does it. The bill of fare piece today was about Cabo Cantina, which uh, was was quite a kerfluffle a couple of weeks ago when my dad was in town. We went and I didn't say it publicly. Um, I hinted at it, but yes. since it's since now um, people have put the since the blade has taken the onus off of me. Right. Yes, the six nachos I got were from Ca- Cabo Cantina. <laughs> and reading through the piece, it seems like. Um, uh, we were of similar mindsets. The margaritas were great. We didn't like this this individual nacho stuff, and the food was was okay. It was okay. I I I've been busy today. I've taped a, a dinner for one. I'm going to be taping a cheap eats. I've been running around, so I only saw a few comments on a post this morning. Um, I think people liked the individual nacho concept, and that's. Not having been there, I can't speak to anything else, the margaritas or whatever, but I can speak to the, I don't want six individual nachos staring back at me on my plate concept. <laughs> yeah, it, it it looks it's like kind of like a prison meal, and you, you and I like the mountainous nachos. You want the piled, like sliding off the plate pile <laughs> right. of nachos. Where it's so big and it's usually, it, it's under the appetizers, but you... Most most Mexican places I go to, you're going to get, you know, that thirteen dollar mountain, and you're probably not going to finish it. And that was the other aspect, which I don't even think I I had brought up with the six. Mm-hmm. The value is garbage because they're like a dollar dollar fifty a piece. Yeah, I think. yeah. Which I mean, I, I can't again. I've not been there, so I can't speak to what you get on top, how generous the toppings are. I mean, they looked fairly generous. How much of that is refried beans, and how much of that is chicken and cheese? I I don't know. Um, but the beauty of the mountain is, first of all, you know, you start eating with your eyes. So you see this this mound that would feed a family of four coming at you, and you're like, ooh, that looks so exciting. And you see the beans, and you see the cheese dripping, and you see the, the, the jalapenos falling off, and you see the dollops of guacamole and sour cream, and you see this just this whole mass of beautiful stuff. And it's, it's an eat-your-own-adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, each bite is going to be, this one's going to be a little crispier. This one got lost at the bottom, so it doesn't have the toppings on top. So you dunk it into the toppings, and you make it what you want. And, and instead of just being the same bite, 
Each and every time. So each of those chips, I'm guessing, is what? Two bites, depending upon who you are. Some people yeah. might take them one. Yeah. Six chips, two bites. That's 12 bites that are all going to be exactly the same. You get the amount of nachos. It's a party. Yeah. Everybody's different. Yeah. And also, if you're sharing with somebody, mm-hmm. um, you get a good idea of their character. <laughs> of which ones they're going for and how how quickly and if they're if they complain that the last chip you can have it because it's soggy and it's, it's mixed with guacamole and salt like eat it like you should have eaten faster it's still delicious that's yes right. the, this is on you honey yeah. <laughs> how um, generous are they do they share the guacamole because that's the more expensive precious commodity or or are they hoarding that for themselves you know you can learn a lot about somebody with that's that right. um I did I, you I, like the nachos all of the go- construction aside the, the the stuff on there was good, but they were like, they were basic chips. There was nothing to write home about. Like when I go to Poco Loco, yeah, everybody says you can always eat. You know, you can eat the chips and salsa for the whole meal. Um, you can because it's yeah. volume. But like places like that, and I can't think of any other off the top of my head. Like the chips are really, really good. Mm-hmm. These were basic chips, like convenience store chips that I had, which added to the disappointment. That's too bad. We did a cheap eat some some months ago at El Tipico. And, well, if you saw it, we had like an entire table full of food. I mean, even aside from what we ordered, they were so generous. They wanted us to try things. And one of the things they had is they had like five different salsas to go with the chips. So, first of all, the chips are freshly baked. You know, not freshly, freshly fried. So, so good. You can you can tell that they didn't just open a bag. But beyond that, there was the, the pico, which is very chunky. There was um, there was a, was it, a, I think a jalapeno salsa. There was the one that you, you got to watch to the end of this one because it's, it's part of the blooper reel. It was a habanero, and it wasn't even a full-on habanero because they couldn't get enough of the pepper. So it's a mix of habanero and jalapeno like thumbnail size it like lights your mm. mouth up and and each of those is is freshly made it's it's not out of a jar and it just makes the most tremendous difference you know even something as simple as chips and salsa in the right hands is done well mm-hmm. and then and that and that speaks you talk about the the character of the person you're dining with this speaks to the character of the restaurant yeah yeah um, all right, we'll go back and forth on our list. Um, all right. Let me go first. Okay. Um, I have not heard anything, like none of the content or whatever came my way. And it seemed like you seemed like you uh, you chastised me for not watching the Food Network on Sunday night. We had a Toledo team on the Food Network on Sunday night. Everybody should have been watching. So give me the review of what happened. So this was the, um, the Great Fruit Tuck Race. So they take nine trucks and each has a different theme, a different cuisine. And they're out in California this season. They rotate around different different locations each season. This is a 15th season. And, and what they do is they get different assignments of dishes they have to make, locales they have to go to. And the one who has the best sales is guaranteed a spot the next week. The one with the lowest sales has to go home. So Toledo's own, maybe she's born with it drag queen owned truck it is just like the partridge family bus with glitter and it's just it is so fabulous that all mac and cheese and it's drag queens 
Come on. There is nowhere to go wrong here. Nowhere to go wrong, and it's Toledo's own. That's a heck of a haul to get the the food truck from here all the way out, I think, to like to Laguna Beach in California. They're they're provided with trucks. That's great. And so that was one of the the issues that Sugar Vermont, who's the the lead um, of the, the team, there's also Mahogany Rain and Keith Logie. That's our, our threesome team here. Um, one of the problems they had is that, you know, they're used to their, and, and Sugar would tell me, you know, it, it, it their old truck was a rinky-dink kind of truck. But it kind of worked for them, mm-hmm. you know. And she'd only just been doing this for like three months before getting on the show. So all of a sudden you get this new truck. Like, they don't even know how to turn on the burners. Mm. And the time is ticking down. And, like, the three of them are there trying to figure out how to turn on the burner. And Mahogany finally realizes you got to turn on the propane and how to do it. So, whew, they're, they're, they're good to go. So, so they are provided with, with the trucks. And, and it's, it's absolutely, from, from the first moment, it's learning curve. And they, you're watching it almost live. They, uh, they, got, they got dogged by the handful of tweets that I was able to, to find. So, tell yes. me what, what I missed. What, give me the context of what was going on. So, their first challenge, when they all first met up, is they were supposed to make something extremely hot, the hottest dish they could make. And they were given an array of of peppers. So right there, there was some strategy involved. You could get jalapenos, poblanos, which are not, well, jalapenos are a little, you know, you never know quite what you're going to get. Poblanos are tame. Went all the way up to to habanero and ghost pepper. So you're watching the teams pick which pepper they want to use. And it's like, people, the assignment was the hottest thing you could make. Why are you on the low end of the spectrum here you need to be on the fire end of the spectrum so right there you you knew that you know you got a, a feel for how well people were paying attention um and so there was a south african team identical twins who are just a hoot together they, they like finish each other's sentences um they had enough sense to go for the habanero and they had the hottest dish and so they won that challenge they got extra money the next challenge was they had to to go out and sell and they weren't given a specific assignment, but they all kind of ended up in the same place at the grocery store where they'd gone shopping, figuring there's people, they want food, they're hungry, big space. And Sugar's out there, you know, with the glitter and <laughs> inviting people to come to the truck. And, you know, she's just this amazing, warm, fabulous personality. And, and so she's bringing people in, but then they showed, and I felt so bad um, because a lot of the people were really rude, and they were saying they didn't like the mac and cheese, and this one guy shows how he's, you know, dunking the basket, throwing it out. Um, was there a nicer way to say that maybe they were focused more on presentation than on food? I'm sure there was. But it's a TV show, and they're going for the drama. Right. Um, so I don't know how much, like on the one, I'm not doing any kind of live <laughs> tweeting. I'm not doing any any updates on my Facebook page. Because I don't want to spoil it for people who've, say, recorded it and not had a chance to watch it yet. Um, so I don't know how much more information you want. Oh, it's Thursday. We can, I, I want to know personally. You've like, had your chance. If you haven't watched yeah, it yet, that's on you. Yeah. Uh, uh, are they still in the competition? They are. Okay, good. They are. Good. Um, they were given one final assignment to take the dishes that were made in the first round, and then they were swapped, so each was given a different team's dish and then make it their own and so two different teams were almost neck and neck and if the other team had priced it at twenty dollars instead of 19 they sold the same amount they would have made more money sugar sugar's a smart girl 
Sugar Price did a 20, got the extra money. They made $3,000 in the competition, and they were the ones guaranteed to get a spot next Excellent. week. With the caveat, though, you got to step up the mac and cheese because we had a lot of complaints. Okay. So I had interviewed Sugar and Keith for a preview story, and Sugar said that Tyler Florence, the host, was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful, and and he gave them a lot of pointers about making bechamel sauce. It's a white sauce with butter and flour and milk, and then incorporating that, and so kind of merging those tips with her family recipe. She said that they're they're really proud of what they got now. Um, my heart is set on them winning this. I I intend to watch every week. I am I am so rooting for them. They are so fabulous. They have worked so hard at this. Sugar used to be a paraprofessional at the autism school. And, of course, school shut down during the pandemic. And that's really how she's invented herself here with with the, the truck. So I wish them a thousand, a thousand times good luck. And you got to turn in on Sunday. Every, I'll likely be asleep. That, that's why I go to <laughs> Twitter. you got to record it. Um, I can't record it. Uh I don't have that. I'm sure I can go into the app, maybe, and, and yeah, or, watch um, it on demand. Um, what is it? It's on Discovery Plus. Okay. I do not have the 10,000 different new streaming services because you'd spend more than you did on mm-hmm. cable if you did. So. Uh, it, it was nice to see that that everything coalesced with really good timing for them. And I don't know. Again, I'm just like off the grid. I didn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I my social networks, Facebook and whatnot, didn't feed me their stuff. But I'm guessing with all the great press that they got, because you did a great story, and I think one of the other news stations did. Channel 11 did. Yeah, it, it all. The city paper, I think. Coalesced really well for old for the old West End Festival weekend, and yeah. I was wondering if there were just scores of people waiting to come see them and eat with the they press. They sold out the first day. I think. Good. Good, 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 good. I'm glad they're still going. Um, I have another food truck thing to get to, a, a philosophical okay. thing, but what's on your list? Um, well, that was the number one on my list. Um, <clears throat> we covered the nachos. Um, in t- posting about the nachos this morning, I think it was this morning, maybe it was a different post, you had made mention of the right way to eat fries is with the ketchup on <laughs> instead of dipping. I like Explain to, that. I, uh, I, I like messy stuff. Um, and I think you maximize the ketchup because if you're just dipping, there's always going to be something left. So I like a big mess. In fact, um, one thing that I really fell in love with when I first moved out to the Midwest in Cody Islands back in the early 2000s, um, were, were chili cheese fries. Yes. So, um, as if there wasn't enough on the fries already, I would I would douse it in, in ketchup as well. On chili cheese fries? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a big sloppy mess. Have you tried mustard? No. Okay. No. I'm not a big mustard person, very selective with mustard. Okay. But yeah, ketchup on my chili cheese fries, big sloppy mess. But I'm I definitely like to put the fries put the ketchup on the fries. Now see my thinking with that is when I've had that is there are spots that have too much ketchup and spots that don't have enough ketchup and I have more control if I'm dipping into the ketchup but rather than ketchup I'd rather have mayonnaise for what fries, for fries. It's, it's Belgian style Ugh. oh my god no it's so good it's so good or you know what you really what's really good is like if you have like a garlic aioli okay yes now we're getting fancy not that fancy just not- add a little garlic to your mayonnaise Do you, give me a restaurant where you would uh, let me Fridays. Let's just say you go to Fridays for whatever reason. Um, would you would you ask them to give you mayonnaise to dip the fries in? 
I don't know that I would make a special request. Okay. But there would probably be mayonnaise on my burger. And if yeah. that were in the little cup on the side, I would smear a little on the burger and then use the rest for dinner. Okay. Um, yeah, I use mayo far more as a topping than, mm-hmm. or for like tuna fish sometimes. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm up next. Yes. To your point of, of sugar pivoting, as many people did, um, I have a question for you. All right. And this, the answer will... The answer will sort itself out one way or another. This is just the way it is. It's similar to how I say, there's almost too much to do on weekends here now. Yes. And they're, not everything is going to survive. Do we have too many food trucks here in the area? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. We have a we have a really, really nice variety. And, you know, it's only within <clears throat> the last eight years that I've been here that the food trucks have really started to thrive. In fact, um I did a story early on. There was a lot of controversy about the food trucks. Uh, They were just getting started. There was a food truck association. Um, The brick-and-mortar restaurants were understandably a little leery that the food trucks, particularly in the summer, would take some business away from them. I remember there were a lot of constraints and loopholes and logistics and and all of that complication. That seems to have all been freed up. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we have a huge slew because there's not only on Facebook the Toledo To Go page promoting, you know, that started during the pandemic to promote all the places that were still open that were doing uh, delivery and pickup and whatnot. But there's also specifically a food truck page. So if you want pizza, if you want wings, if you want the, you know, the, the birria tacos, if you want African food, if you want Indian food, if you want mac and cheese, you name it. You want you want coffee. You want donuts. There is a truck for you. Yep. And and I don't think we've reached saturation yet. I mean, because we have all these different kinds of restaurants, you know, as they always say, Toledo loves to go out to mm-hmm. eat. I don't think we have the most restaurants per capita anymore. The last I saw, San Francisco had that. Though there's a lot of Toledo that's still clinging to that reputation regardless. Um, you can sustain that, and you can sustain all the fast food uh, restaurants. And a lot of times they use us as a target market to test things out. We, right now, we have not hit saturation, and we can support the food trucks. Because okay. what's really nice about them, especially if you get the ones, like they used to, to gather at the Banner Mattress facility, and now I know that's being converted into something else. They gather down at um, at Appliance Center on Wednesdays. There are so many different like food truck festivals. Each day Today's of the week, there's something. lunch at Levis. Yeah, exactly. They they go down to the, the Farmer's Market in Perrysburg, all of this. Um if your whole group can't decide on what they want, I mean, how many times have you argued and been frustrated trying to figure out what restaurant you're going to go to? The food trucks are there for you. Mm-hmm. You can go get, you know, the tacos. I'll go get the burger. Somebody else can get the vegan food. Meet up at the table and everybody's happy. It's fabulous. When I uh, talk about events, whether they're ones I'm connected to or ones I think they, they might be of interest... I always make sure, like, the food trucks are the star of the events. Like, people follow true food trucks like they used to follow, maybe they still do, like, follow bands and musical artists and things exactly, like that. Exactly, you're a groupie. It's weird. Um, when this boom began to go, I don't know, maybe 2015, 2016, definitely before the pandemic, I tried to keep my my elitism in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. But And maybe it was partly an East Coast thing. I think people are familiar with, like, Food trucks, food carts, like they see in New York City shows. You watch Law and Order; they're buying stuff from. You get the some hot dogs, guy. the pretzels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I so f- I was familiar with like what we have going on now, <laughs> um, I was able to 
enjoy God. When I was a kid growing up in Philadelphia, when I went to Temple University, um, they had food trucks there all the time. And it, it, it again, it's it was like a time machine. Like everything that you just named, any really super niche kind of food, um, they had a food truck for it on campus somewhere. And it was eye-opening to me to see people so stunned and surprised to have delicious niche or just pizza kind of foods in food trucks proliferate everywhere. Now I'm like, I had this every day when I went to class, if I went to class. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's this notion that, that the trends start on the coasts and work their way to the center. Of course, the, you know, the coasts have tried to claim that whole, you know, <clears throat> farm to table nonsense. You know what? The Midwest was growing food and raising food long, long time ago. So, of course, was the East Coast where everything started. But nonetheless, um, the food truck trend, though, has definitely worked its way from the coasts. Like you say, you know, in Philly, in New York, they've had it. You know, Roy Choi, the chef, is is considered sort of the, the godfather of the food trucks, having started the, the fusion Korean-style tacos out in L.A. It took a little while to come here, but but we're ready for it. We're, we're having a ball. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many... I'd like to ask, I'd like to do focus groups and go, when's the last time, have you been to more restaurants, like eating restaurants or eating at more food trucks recently? Because it's fascinating and I want to see what people's behavior is. So, Definitely, yeah. Um, what's next on your list? Um, let's see, we've covered much of it. <clears throat> um, the walleye. Now, there- we had said last time that we're not huge hockey fans, but... Gotta love the walleye. It's good Brought for, it back last night. It's good for content. Yes. I mean, it gives me something to talk about. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, I, I, they're going to be home next week. Whether or not they're playing any more games, we will find out um, as soon as Friday night. So... Yes. Um, I like David Briggs's um, piece. It must have been on Monday when he was talking about conspiracy theories, People, <laughs> like the diehard walleye fans. And I know Dave Watson has played, uh, Coach Watson has played into this a bunch because the walleye, I guess, have committed or been called for lots of penalties yeah. during this playoff run. And I, I don't know if David mentioned this, but I mentioned it on the, the air the other day. Um, if there was any kind of conspiracy, it would be for the walleye to reward such a brilliant organization and its fans, like it should be a march to the penalty box for the other team <laughs> so that the walleye, because they are a great organization and for the yeah. league to reward them for 8,500 people there every night and being a, a great part of the economy, a great tenant, a great neighbor, a great great thing in the community. They are. It should be a march to the penalty box. It should be like, you know, you pull the other goalie for whatever, throw the other, all the other goalies out for the Florida Everblades and they have to play without goalies. It would be a reverse conspiracy, not against the walleye. You make perfect sense. Thank you. Thank you. Can I say I love the name the Everblades, by the way? <laughs> there was a, uh, I forget, there was a digital billboard at La Talmadge and Monroe the other day. Uh, and it was taking a shot at the Everblades. I think it was like the the Ever Raid, but it it maybe maybe smirk and it's been great. I mean, it, there's no one who this isn't good for. It's good for downtown. Yep. It's good for people. Like it's such a. I know we use the word transactional relationship some in a derogatory way, but it's such that because we we support them, they support us. It goes back and forth. Exactly. We get a great organization because. We're great fans, and and it just goes back in this circle. Um, 
it's great. That place is so electric, and I think it, at times there is such a difference downtown. <clears throat> you know, I don't work downtown a lot. I'm only down there Monday afternoons and Fridays, but when I am there, say on a Friday, and I'm leaving after five. It sounds so cliched, but it is so electric. Mm-hmm. You you leave work and you see people coming down, and you see people walking to the to the arena, and you see them excited, and they've got their their jerseys on, and they're and like it's like Toledo just is coming alive because of this. It- it probably trickles down from Detroit and, and Hockey Town, and the Red Wings haven't been good for quite some time. Um, and I am a novice when it comes to NHL knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's different because there's only 8,500 people, and you know, big NHL arenas are, are so much bigger. True. But I would put the electricity for our games, and granted, it's a little different because they're on the weekends, so you can get a little more sauced up than a Tuesday night, you yeah. know, up at the, uh, up at well, uh, Joe Lewis. Well, still not getting sauced up anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say that there are some nights for, for the lesser franchises in the NHL, the, the Phoenix Coyotes, so they got kicked out of their big arena, and they have to play at a at Arizona State's arena, which is like oh. fifty five hundred people. Okay, this is I the per- no this is the perfect corollary. Like they're they're the bottom rung team uh, of fan support in the league, and you could put the walleye there. You could put us there, and yes. we're more electric, we're more energized, we're more interested. And now look, there's a lot of like community reasons and whatnot, but we have. The Wire professional organization, but it has, like you said, NHL level electricity yeah. on most game nights. It's a, it, it's just it's fabulous for the city. It really is. Um, next up, you're okay. working on a couple of things. Uh, you're doing festival foods. Did I? I think this was two Sundays ago. You were going go to festival I had, foods. I had mentioned, yeah, that that festivals are starting to come back. So Our Lady of Perpetual Help had its festival. With the the Polish dinner on that Sunday night, uh, my friend Paul um, has inherited the job of making the sauerkraut from his dad, and it's not just to, like dump the can and heat the sauerkraut. Like there's 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 bacon. There's like it's it's like a dinner unto itself. Just this this sauerkraut. Um, Most Blessed Sacrament Parish had their weekend festival. They had a a Sunday special Polish dinner as well. Um, beer and bacon is coming up on the east side at the Hungarian Club. Um, I know the um, Pizza Palooza is coming up. Guaranteed, guaranteed to be the hottest day of the year. That and the Hindu festival. That's Sunday night, right? That's a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a, is, it not the, a, is it the same like weekend? I don't think so because they're okay. both held at, at Centennial Terrace. I've never been. I'd like to go. Every time I've been to Pizza Palooza, it has mm-hmm. been scorching hot. Thankfully, not humid, but okay. that place is like, I mean, there's the quarry right there, and it's all open, so it kind of sucks in the sun. And, and it's all like cement. Yes. Somebody's <laughs> like, Eric, it's the middle of July. So, of course, it's so going to be like hot. you're like the loaf of bread baking in the little cloche, yes. you know? <laughs> you're, the, you're the browning cheese. Somebody's going to say, Eric, it's July. Of course, it's going to be hot. No, 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 no. I mean, like like 97 and scorching hot. But well, yeah, it's like the Ann Arbor Art Fair. It's not Art Fair. Unless it hits a hundred, and a tornado warning comes through, I mean there are just some givens. When and when when is that on the calendar? It's the third full week of July, I believe, and it's a Wednesday through Saturday, Wednesday through Sunday. I've lost track now. I 
of all the festivals that I've not been to, some I will never go to. I will never go to the gaff. Um, I'm not going to that taco and margarita thing. There's just going to be too many people. But I want to go to the Hindu festival because I have... I love the Hindu festival. I have adapted a taste for Indian food over the last five or six years. The food is amazing. I'm gonna, there, I'm, there, there's, there's beautiful dancing and music and they have vendors there selling gorgeous things. It's all about the food. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to like if I got if I got skunked and I would have to you know tomato sauce myself. Yeah, I want that that like week long curry smell coming back from yeah. that. You have to bathe me forever. And, and don't even I'm going to tell you right now. Don't even try to read the menu and just say hmm, what sounds good. You just want one of everything. You just go from window to window to window and just get everything. Uh, something else I saw you were working on kitchen catastrophes. Okay. I was baking a batch of blondies recently, and I'm, I'm so proud of my, and I'm, of course, doing a couple things at once, but but that's sort of par for the course. So I mix everything up, and I remember remarking, ooh, this smells so lovely, it's so butterscotchy, you know, it's got the butter and brown, it's brown butter, no less, not just regular butter. It's got the brown sugar, it smells so good, pour it in the pan, bake it, and <laughs> pull it out, and like it's this mass of little tidbits of pretzels and melted chocolate and goo. And I knew immediately what I had done. I had forgotten the flour. <laughs> that seems pretty important, right? It's a pretty critical ingredient if you want your blondies to have any okay. kind of structure and resemble blondies. Yes, indeed. So um, so as I always do, I posted the picture on Facebook and had a good laugh at myself. And then I wrote a column about it. Because so many times people think, oh, she's the food editor, you know. And then you there's Martha Stewart setting this standard <clears throat> of, you know, this paragon of virtue that she is. And, you know, Julia Child, you can look up the videos. Julia Child went to flip an omelet. Half of it fell on the stove. She patted it back in the pan and said, don't tell anybody. And <laughs> she's dropped chickens. And that's, of course, just one of the 10,000 reasons we all love her. So I always make a point. If I've dropped the, the cupcakes, if I, you know, if I forget the flour, uh, I wrote a column a few years ago. I had baked something in a pan and then taken it out of the oven and put it on the stove. And then I went to go heat something up, and it was for a photo shoot. So I've got, like, all the burners and the oven, and everything is going to get everything ready for the photographer to take pictures. And Lori King, whom I love, she retired last year and abandoned me. You abandoned me, Lori. I'm going to say it forever. Um, she had come in, and we're in the kitchen, and I smelled something burning. And I'm like, I thought I took that out of the oven. And then I realized I had turned on the burner under the pan I had just removed from the oven. Oh, my. So I turn that off, and I go to move it so that it doesn't keep cooking because it's an electric stove, and so it takes forever to to cool down. It do, it's not like gas where you just turn it turn on and off. off. And you look at the bottom of it, <clears> you <throat> can see it was almost like somebody had baked an LP into the bottom. <laughs> and I move it, and Lori and I are standing there, and the next thing we hear this, Boom! There's class everywhere. And I instinctively go to cover Lori and make sure that she's okay. And she was, thank God. There's glass everywhere. I said, oh, my God, go get your camera. So she went and got her camera. She's taking pictures of this disaster in my kitchen. And I wrote about that because kitchen safety is really important. Mm -hmm. And and it, you know, I had too much going on. I wasn't paying attention. You know, a lot of times people will put, like, the wooden spoon near the burner or the towel gets near the burner. And... And I'm here to say, you know what? This stuff happens to me, too. Um, pay attention while you're baking so you don't forget the flour. Pay attention that you're not, you know, doing something dangerous. 
Um, and, and I like to think it makes me relatable because then when I post it on Facebook, people tell me their stories. And the only people that this kind of thing doesn't happen to is the people who don't cook. Right. Do you have a, a similar story of a kitchen disaster? I Nothing of my own doing, but I have a friend's that you might like. And I don't think I've ever, I don't think this has ever come your way before. <laughs> um, my friend blew up her kitchen. <gasps> and you will never, get, I could give you a hundred guesses and you will never guess the kind of common food that caused the destruction. Hard boiled eggs. Seriously? She was making hard boiled eggs. Okay. Um, doing mom stuff. She got a call from her mom, and her mom said, "Let's go grab lunch." They went and grabbed lunch. The eggs, the were, eggs still were still bo- cooking? still boiling, oh, and God. boom! Oh, God. <laughs> how much damage was done? Whatever it cost to rebuild the kitchen. That bad? Yeah. I yeah. mean, thank God they were out. Yeah. Or my next, my first question would have <clears> been, how badly were they injured? But yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, but it blew it all up. Oh blew my it all God. up. Hard boiled eggs of all things. Oh like God. with if I said my friend blew up her kitchen, you would think grease fire. Exactly. Something like no, hard boiled eggs. Wow. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, so when my dad was here a couple weeks ago, yes. uh he he likes to eat out and that was fine. But when I actually really like cooking for people Mm -hmm. um and that's why one of my favorite things about dating like i get to cook for people because i hate leftovers so i cook for my dad my friend here josh the engineer i invited him over so there's no leftovers and i did one of my i think korean barbecue things and it's korean barbecue i think it's one of one of my japanese one of my asian it's either korean or taiwanese anyway there's brown sugar Ooh. Um, with soy sauce and Chinese fives, very good. Ooh, nice caramelization. On yes, that. Um, I got a bag of brown sugar, and it had Ziploc on it. The oh. Ziploc didn't work, so it's not a it's not a big expense, you know. But what's the secret to keeping brown sugar from getting hard in twenty four hours? There isn't any, right? You got you got to keep it sealed tightly. Yeah. Uh, you can soften it if you put it in a container. Uh, some people will use some apple, and the same trick works for cookies and things that get stale. Um, it will impart a little bit of that sweetness and apple flavor, which is not a problem with brown sugar. It depends on your cookies, whether you want that. Uh, I tend to prefer a piece of bread, and you want like the sort of cheap chintzy bread that's already very moist, uh, because there will be that transference. The Whatever is dry will suck up the moisture, and then the bread will be dry, and your brown sugar will be restored. When I do use a recipe, or when I have a recipe with brown sugar, I don't even play around with that mess. I just buy another box because it's like a dollar. So, just, I don't want, I don't want that risk. But okay, okay. Um, I don't think I have anything more. Although I was kicking around the idea if we do a mid-year point of words we're going to sum- submit to Lake Superior State. I've lost track of how many words. Have I've you? Submitted. I have not read the same sites that I have. I've moved over to different. Uh, websites that I enjoy for reading now. Yeah. So a lot of the buzzwords that irritate the hell out of me are kind of gone, and I yes. haven't really added anything to the list in quite some time. And we have all added words we never wanted to add to our vernacular anyway. Like nobody ever wants to hear inflation no. ever again, and and anything with economics associated because it's it's grueling for all of us. It is. Um. Do you have anything else on your list? Um. <clears throat> 
I think we pretty much covered anything. I mean, the only okay. other thing I was I was going to talk about was um, because we were both scheduled to go to a meeting the other night that was in person for the first time ever in the yeah. in the history of, of this committee that we're on. And I was under the gun of a deadline and I didn't make it. Um, I still would have been late if it had been on Zoom, but Zoom would have saved me the having to be presentable, getting in the car, another 15 minutes of driving. I know that a lot of people are really happy to see things opening up, and to some extent I am. I mean, I know it helps the economy, it helps sociability, mental health. I I know it helps a lot of things. But there was also a great convenience Mm -hmm. to doing things from home. So in the last, was it last year or the year before, I was invited to speak to a group in Bowling Green, which was a lot of fun. And I love going to speak to groups. And I particularly like doing that in person because there's always the, you know, the meet and greet ahead of time. There's the schmoozing and the questions read the afterwards. Room. Exactly. But it would have been, you know, the half hour to Bowling Green, the hour to talk, the 20 minutes or so of schmoozing, the another half hour back. So what an hour program turns into like a three-hour adventure yep whereas we did it on zoom it was for a group uh, of retirees and so they were being still extra cautious and everybody was staying home and it was great i could do what i needed to do for work get onto zoom five minutes before i needed to do my thing answer questions shut off zoom and get back to what i was doing and it was an hour hour 15 minutes yeah i feel like that with my uh uh, I'm on the Zeph board and mm-hmm. I think there's, it's a monthly meeting and then there's like every other month programming meetings, which are far more interesting to me because we get into programming. Like I could give two anythings about, uh, the accounting, the numbers, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they're, the programming ones are now all in person and it's, it's not convenient for me to go to where they are on like Collingwood, just outside of the old West end. Um, yeah, when you were downtown, there would have been nothing. But I'm, I haven't been downtown since I've been on this. And yeah. I, when I was like, when I, when I got smacked in the face and they said, we're in person, I was like, oh, yeah. but you know, we, we do the, we do the calculus. It, I could bail on it. I could be there via zoom or it's important FaceTime. So, yeah. um, you probably know, but you can ask me anything about it. And I don't know if you have gotten it, but I, I got my first COVID. A couple weeks ago. You did. It raced through here. That's right. I remember telling you you needed chicken soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went to the NAMI walk and felt like hell for a couple days. Thought it was allergies, which have been bad. Yes. But um, there was no way it it was allergies. With everybody here and and the proximity, it was absolutely COVID. Um, Did you test positive or did you not test? I did not test positive at all. All the all the rapid tests. I took four of them. Yeah. And then I took another one at urgent care. They were all negative. Wow. Um, but from what I have been told and what I've come across is um the rapids are only accurate when they're positive. You need a PCR test. Okay. And by the time I was gonna get one, I was eight days from being exposed. And at that point, my doctor and I both agreed. He's like, we're adding this up. Like, here are your symptoms. Here's who you were exposed to. I'm like, yes. Like, just give me some cough syrup. And I didn't even care about a positive test at that point. I just wanted the the hellish symptoms to go away. It felt like razor blades in my throat. It was awful. Oh, God. How awful. But you've been been vaccinated, so at least it wasn't as horrendous as it might have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like everybody had said who who was smart or was able to get vaccinated, like worst cold I ever had. And and it was pretty pretty grueling because I don't get sick a lot. 
Um, but yeah, it wasn't fun. It was not fun. I, I was amazed that I was, I was just powering. Now this was right after your dad was here, though, so he didn't get exposed. Oh, God, I was super concerned because I was trying to do the timing, and he had been in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he was he was clear, because okay, as soon as good. I got the call from here, I called my dad to let him know, and he had no symptoms, and he's as good. boosted as he can be. But it, this has been, I, I'm calling the, um, the STD wave, <laughs> where it's stealthily looming. Yes. You're getting it. Um, some people, we're, we're as a public, we're choosing to ignore it and power through it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like that's another that's another phase of this, and it being endemic. Yeah, we're and, kind of, we're kind of to the to the stage where we're uh, not so terrified of it, right? And we've accepted it as a fact of life. Like you might get the flu, you might get a cold, you might get COVID. Yeah, and, and it doesn't make it any any less disruptive because no, the because f- it's still, as it's, you say, it, I mean the symptoms are still bad. People are still at risk. People who who can't get vaccinated or who are compromised are still at tremendous risk. The the Friday when I had finally caught up with my doctor and was waiting to get the cough syrup and everything, and I I had a zoo remote the following day, and I just said I I can't do it. Like forget about like me getting up. Like I did not have the energy because I kept for half of the illness I was powering through as it was just allergies and I was just exhausted and then the Friday my Fridays are busy because I record my weekend shows um so it's I, I kind of do like they're they're lesser lesser presentation but I'm still doing stuff right and when I shut off the microphone after wrapping up my Sunday show that Friday the, all this like throat to nose I was like it's done it needs a rest oh, oh awful and it, it it, it didn't hurt. Like, I just had nothing left to give. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, and that's what it is. Again, like I said, it's it's like the STD. We're going to ignore it. We're going to go through it and we're not going to talk about it. We're going to get our medication and we're just go through. I know several people who are either getting, you know, uh, a second round or getting their first round. It's, it's muted as opposed to, you know, the three weeks in the ICU that it, yeah. it was initially. Um, but it's, it's still going around. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I'll ask you this question because you yeah. are just a couple of years older than me. I asked, <laughs> I asked my dad this on the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, Stuart James, my friend from the Ability Center, mm-hmm. I had him in here uh, on Monday. He's he's fifty two. Um, I like to think that every generation has had its own ills and ails and, and fears, and it's not to compare. It's for context. I remember my dad telling me that um, there were no school shootings, nothing like that, but there was, he had to do nuclear drills, and that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, see, I don't remember those. I you're, don't know if I've blocked it out or what. I honestly little, you, do not remember them. You're a little younger for that. Um, you probably had to deal with the Vietnam fears and, and all that stuff. And I'm trying to gauge, and I guess it, everyone is unto themselves. Is the world worse than it's ever been in your lifetime, or is there just more people in places telling you about all the bad things or with most things it's a combination of both i think it's a little of both i mean you know that we've not had a pandemic and there have been horrible things you know there have been you know ebola um i find it really offensive that all of a sudden we're all worked up about monkeypox Mm. you know what that's been an issue in africa for a long time we only care because you know it's here um, it can stay over there, and we're not going to pay any attention to it. Um, there have been wars. I had I had actually written about this. You know, <clears throat> everybody is is absolutely understandably 
horrified by what's going on in Ukraine. There are horrible things going on in Mali, mm. in Burma, in China, in Syria still. There, there are horrendous situations in, but, in Latin America, and we care nothing because it doesn't directly affect us. And that, that's what I was getting at. I'm not uh, dismissing all those awful mm. things because the world is a bad place, and we have it really, really good compared to a lot of these places. But this all affects like everything that's happening now, like I get it. We, we talked about this last, my friend Bethany teaches at TSA. Her mm-hmm. daughter is now two. Like I get the fact that there is a, you have a better chance of winning Powerball than you do of having your school shot up. But I understand the fear doesn't work. The fear doesn't work that way. Right. So what does affect us is, is pretty scary. And again, I just wonder if it's, if it's more bad things than ever before, or again, we're just so scared. And granted, well, we've had world wars. We've had, you know, genocide. Genocide seems to come every generation. Again, it's just a matter of who's being targeted and how many are being targeted. Um, so all of these horrible things, you know, there's always some horrible thing going on in the world. But at the same time, when I was growing up, you know, we had three networks. We had Walter Cronkite. And, and you heard, you can't say, people always say, oh, it was more objective then. It was more objective. They tried to sort of toe this journalistic line of being objective. Mm-hmm. But you still got the anchor's influence yeah. of what story we're going to lead with or whom we're going to interview or how we're going to tell this story, if we're going to tell this story. Um, and, of course, each of the newspapers, the New York Times had its point of view. The Chicago Tribune had its point of view. There was always the Wall Street Journal. Um, but we didn't have... A thousand cable channels and Twitter about Walter Cronkite editorializing about the left or whatever. Yeah, exactly. We didn't have um, podcasts where we could all narrow down our version of 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 reality that we want to hear. Uh, we didn't have so much divisiveness, you know, like there was there was George McGovern, there was Jesse Helms, and you're not old enough to know why either one of them was considered crazy, but they were the outliers, you know. They weren't the whole party. Right. Like the whole, you know, we used to be able to to sit and have drinks and, you know, order pizza in the middle of the night and hash something out, you know, you because you kind of agreed on the same goals. You maybe differed on how to get there. And now there there are there's there's differing realities. Yeah. And everybody Literally. can go to a different site and prove their version of reality. So so to your question, I think there's always been wonderful things going on in the world. There's always been horrible things going on in the world. So that that part hasn't changed. But the the onslaught of informa- of information, you know, that you can't escape TV, um, you can't escape news alerts. You know, you've got social media, you know, sites I've never even heard of because I'm old. Um, there are so many different ways that you're just bombarded. 24 hours a day and it affects your sleep and and just it, it's yeah that's a problem I, I yes there's just so an infinite amount of voices it's overwhelming one thing i got it's, wrong and we'll wrap up in a couple of minutes mm-hmm. one thing i got wrong was i thought after he was gone we would move back towards the middle mm-hmm. and we have relieved ourselves of 1 a.m. Twitter tirades that yeah. would dominate the news cycle, but we didn't come to the middle. In fact, the middle is as small as it's ever been, and we've gotten really fringy because of all those voices, because of what 
what was going on, but he he poured gasoline on that fire. Are you going to watch the hearings tonight? Is this the January 6th stuff? Yeah. Starts tonight. I'll probably follow it on Twitter. Um, and then the last thing yeah. with all this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I did go, oh, shit, when Putin pulled this nonsense in Ukraine because we were finally making some headway against a one, literally a once-in-a-lifetime global pandemic, yeah. which we're now truly seeing that, as I've, I've said, sadly, the million Americans we lost are going to be a drop in the bucket for how everyone else's life is affected. Some for good, but many, many for bad. Um, And just as we were getting out of that, he rolled into Ukraine and destabilized uh, the planet when it comes to a lot of food and and gas. People who are already starving in Africa, in the Middle East, it it has compounded the tragedy just astronomically. It is is absolutely a crisis situation over there. Yeah. And, like, couldn't he have rolled into, I don't know, like... Go go. What is the Bering Strait? Like, go back into Alaska. Take over Nome. We'll give you Nome. We, you you no, can have a, you can have Alaska no. back. I've been to Alaska. I love Alaska. I know, I know. He just he went to the wrong place with the amount of oil. Um, because I know that the last guy wanted to make us first, and when you do that, well, you run out, and there's a baby formula shortage. You can't ask other people, and it just sucks. It was a cascade effect, and now everybody like I I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but I never thought I would see. Four dollar gas, and the other day you know, it was we used a- to, my my boyfriend Craig. His his son lives in Northern California, and they you know we think it. of five dollar gas out there, and it's here, but that's that's not Biden's fault. Yeah, there are so many factors contributing to that, but it's easy to blame him. People say the the distillation of the internet narrative is it's doubled since he's been in office. Uh, no, they say all I know is. <laughs> It's double. T- yes, that that's literally all you know. That's the only thing you know. Um, yeah, hopefully we get through this and yes. people. But we got to can- end on a positive note. Even What's- if you only got thirty seconds, we got to end yeah. on some sort of positive note. We can't talk about world tragedies and starvation and and COVID and say, all right, next. <laughs> you are going to have an amazing surgery. Back to your bare knuckle fighting days, and Craig is going to be so helpful throughout the summertime. And He's listeners have submitted sweetheart. stuff. He's right, just such a sweetheart. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, quickly, what's yes. uh, preview Sunday for me? What's coming down the pike? This Sunday is the twelfth. Um, it's summer. We've got iced tea. Variations on iced tea. Interesting. Yes. Give me a, a little bit more tease of that. I'm intrigued. <laughs> uh, you don't always just have to drink your iced tea. I've got a sorbet. Okay. Um, I've got a variation on the Long Island iced tea. Mm. Um, Rather than rather than settling in Long Island, we've gone north a little bit to Boston. So okay. there's a there's a twist on that. Alcoholic? So, yes, indeed. Oh, I'm definitely looking. <laughs> uh, quick warning: when you do go the, go get these fancy uh, uh, like lemonades or, or iced teas, yeah. sneaky sugar and calories. Be careful. Yes. So yeah. make sure it's alcoholic because if you're gonna have calories, you better get you drunk. You might as well off. have some fun. Right. All right. All right. We're done. Good to see you. Always good to see you.